0: It was the year of fire, the year of destruction, the year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth, the year of great sadness, the year of pain, and the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 83, The Exercise of Vital Powers, in which Garibaldi returns to Mars and we learn more about Edgar's plans.
1: From the Ministry of Plenty deep inside Mars Dome, this is the name of Mars Dome. This is the name of the pod, the dome of the pod, the name of the dome. (laughs) Uh, the Babylon 5 podcast, in which we discuss the ongoing cultural legacy of the 1990 science fiction television program Babylon 5. I'm one of your hosts, John Cassie, and I am joined as always by my dear friend and co host. Chris
0: Tetro who's warning the listeners, it's not going to get any better than this.
1: We are cuckoo, <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa cuckoo Puffs, for, anti, for, for, uh, for anti for for uh, for anti for anti corporatism. Yes, anti disestablishmentarianism. Oh yeah, we're cuckoo for uh, for sticking it to the psychops. Yeah, and man. The psycor. Yeah, and uh, and wondering just how far Garibaldi is prepared to go to sort of, it would seem, sell his sell his immortal soul, you know, to the devil.
0: Yeah, how far is he prepared to go and how far is he being pushed to go? That's right. Yeah. You know, we still don't know the exact nature of his programming, which we're assuming. Right, what is his
1: programming trying to do? We're assuming
0: his programming is there, um, yeah. you know, if I'm going to be a, Betting man, I'm going to say that he's he's selected and primed for this role because of his relationship with with uh, Lise. right? Uh, and to get him into this exact position, right? Because you know, Edgar's is doing something that the Psy Corps is not happy with. Whether it's actually this Psy disease that he's been talking about, which it, it seems to be from the patients that he's that he's got. Um, yes, or something to that effect. So, yeah, how 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 much of his decision to leave Babylon 5 was was a nudge from bester? Um, how much of him being here, how much of of what he's doing is is him being a puppet and you know, knowing Garibaldi as we do, he's not gonna be happy when when he figures all of that out.
1: Right. yeah, I mean, pre- presumably, the denouement of the Garibaldi being mind controlled—if he
0: is—surely
1: mm. it's coming.
0: Yeah, they—they, yeah, they, yeah, they're not going to string this out into the next season, not knowing if they have a next season.
1: Right, and if he isn't mind controlled, I mean, if you know, if my original position on this uh, stands. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think is preposterous, but uh, who knows, right? Well, the things that he's doing right. are
0: certainly in line with the kind of, you know, uh, slightly paranoid, you know, libertarian, uh, loner kind of uh, character that Michael Garibaldi always has been.
1: Right. So Right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like he's suddenly not Garibaldian. Right. Right. It's not like he's been implanted with... Uh, you know, Veer's personality or something. Right. 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 He's rocking the Garibaldi. Yeah. But
0: if he were, but, but. let's say if he were a, a Westworld robot and they, right. they, they increased his hate of the CyCor by like right. three notches and, <laughs> yeah, and right. maybe lowered his hatred of corporations and, and that sort of thing, you know, to, to, right. to, to prime him for exactly where he needs to be.
1: Right. So, Maybe it's the puppet from Gray Seventeen that's doing all this control.
0: You know that would have been that would have been a, a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to to sort of set up and just to pay off the puppet to pay off the puppet like a year and a half later.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. If gentle listeners, as I've said before, we're watching this through. You know. A, we, even if we know something might be coming, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna play it straight within the episode. Yeah. Um, and I just don't remember. I would. So, yeah. I would have. Uh, yeah. If I saw that puppet again, uh-huh. And and this were coming down the road, I I don't know what I would have done. Mm. The puppet's just like probably, in the
0: background of of you know a, a, an occasional scene here and there. You don't really notice it until you go back and rewatch the episode the fifth time.
1: Oh my God. It's like that extra roommate in the
0: young ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that kind of stuff freaks me out. Yeah. Extra roommate in the young ones.
0: I'll put it in the show notes. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thing a couple of years ago.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I got nothing.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Uh, yeah. So so we've got Garibaldi. He's come to Mars, you know, for two reasons, clearly. One is his hatred of the messianic Sheridan. And also two... Or, or is is pursuing his long lost love just kind of frosting? I mean, he could have gone anywhere if he wanted to get off the station.
1: Right, he's here with for a reason. Right, with regard to Edgar's, that feels a bit like the obsessive quest of a. Person who's pursuing his own kind of messianic journey, mm-hmm. just not Sheridan's, right? Right. With regard to Lee's, it feels like old old duty,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like like I I owe her something. Yeah. You know.
0: You yeah, know he needs, he wants to make up for mishandling right. the relationship in the past. That's right. right. But, That's right. But yeah, he is he's is sort of drawn in. I don't see him questioning Edgar's pitch very much. And Edgar's definitely seems to to have a an air of of I'm right and you know, the the extreme self-confidence that only very very rich people can exude. And right. Uh, and yeah, he come he does come off with that he has his own kind of messianic Plan that he wants to to push forward. He's not putting all the cards on the table, but he's 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 laid out enough to entice Garibaldi in pretty deeply.
1: Well, he's giving him just enough rope, isn't he? Yeah. And mad props for Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.
0: Oh, great performance! Yeah, who
1: is really. Uh, you know th- this is this is the kind of performance that we've talked about in the past not getting mm-hmm. from our guest stars
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay either they have been histrionically evil right or they have been uh uh uh, like like un- unbelievably damaged or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's the rare your your David Warners, right. your Jeffrey Combs's mm-hmm. your Brad DeReef's who mm-hmm. deliver these guest parts, uh, they get they get decent. They get a decent script and they elevate it. Right. Okay. Right. You know, well now JMS 70 episodes into writing this thing, is a far better writer now in season 4 than he was in season 1,
0: unquestionably.
1: And and Edgar's is a more uh, subtle character mm-hmm. in the hands of a character actor capable of doing subtle.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So it's all of these little touches and glances and blocking mm-hmm. that make him read as devilish corporate villain number one. Right. You know, that hair... <laughs> and the little mustache, yeah, and his clothing. Well, put him, put him in, a, you know, put, put him in a movie with Robert De Niro or Al Pacino or mm-hmm. any one of these guys in in 1988, and cast him as the devil, right? And you're in. Yeah, you don't need to do anything else.
0: True, true. Right?
1: Just give him the lines and yeah. have him go. Yeah, right. Because he, you know he's that sort of suave devilish Mm -hmm. what is he actually what's the actual truth i don't really care because you're so charismatic
0: definitely and the things the things that he's saying the the pitch that he's delivering is tailored to as we said correct uh, specifically tailored to what garibaldi would want to hear and and would be convinced by Correct. You know. Correct. He, he he's he's talking about the escalation of uh of Cycor power and how Sheridan right. is playing directly into that. Well Right. Okay, those those are those are the two prongs that are gonna that are gonna bring Garibaldi in.
1: Uh, right. I mean you could not have a better pitched hook. Mm-hmm. Right, to bring in to bring in Michael Garibaldi. And so Shocker, Garibaldi, an all in kind of lad, mm-hmm. you know, finds himself going all in big time. And probably you know, it's not gonna to redound to his credit. No. Right, you know, is sort of how I how I might uh, how I might pitch this.
0: No, he's not being skeptical no. enough or paranoid enough for his own sake. Than he usually is.
1: That's right. That's right. You know,
0: which, which I think, probably because external forces, whether it be conditioning slash programming or distracting, being distracted by lease, right, that are keeping him off of his off of his natural game here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: What do you think? What do you think Edgar's thing about not being seen is? yeah what is that right because i mean i could almost i could understand it from a distance but then he goes and pulls the thing where garibaldi is like taken out of bed in the middle of the night and put into a black room and you just get edgar's on speaker or behind a one-way glass or something so that he can't be seen
1: right so that he can't be seen by that uh you're talking about that sort of telepathic investigation, right? Right,
0: right. So yeah, yeah so yeah. that Garibaldi can't see him. So that the is it? You know, so the telepath can't see him. Are, have we? Do telepaths need to see someone to read them? Have we established that?
1: I don't. I don't think so. I'm not
0: sure. I'm just. It's a question I mean, they, that just they, occurred they to can me as be, I was saying it.
1: Right. I'm thinking of Talia Winter's content in season two when she becomes aware of people who are just, you know, who are behind her or who are near mm-hmm, her, mm-hmm. right? She's not looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's aware of them, you know, and she's a, you know, she's just sort of like a, she's not like a Jason Ironheart. She's not a, well, she a did mega get a, sigh
0: She got a boost by him that, that you know, we never got to see paid off. Remember the penny? Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. all
0: the stuff that that ended up on Lita's plate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't Uh, know if they need, I I wonder if it's just sort of the Edgar's thing is just sort of a weird affect kind of character note
0: that, I mean, it could, it could simply come down to that, you know, which kind of has a, you know, voice from the burning bush kind of aspect to it. You know, I, I am the, my, the great and powerful Edgar's I'm, you know, you, you can hear me, but, No one shall see me. But then he's, I mean, he seems to be, he's perfectly willing to have Garibaldi see him just fine. Right. He doesn't seem to have a problem with that, you know, sitting down and chatting with him, which, which that, that did strike me as a little odd for someone who wants to keep this kind of distance and, and had told Garibaldi not to, well, maybe, maybe that's part of playing Garibaldi. Tell tell him not to come here and he, and you know, you know, he's going to come. Right,
1: right. Right. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what he's gonna do. Right. right. Yeah.
0: It's like if I tell um, Max not to howl.
1: He can't hear you anyway.
0: Well, there's that. Yeah. yeah.
1: But that's why you maintain, a P five level psi uh, operative, yeah. cat operative. Yes. In your house. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Geppetto is a as a P five telepath and.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Unfortunately, I think if I were to telepathically probe any of my cats, it would just be kind of like a, you know, the sound of like a, a nut rattling around inside a mug.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, not a lot going on. No. Yeah.
0: No. They're cute. Yeah, They're we've not got, bright. Much like me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got, uh, we, we've got the same cats Yeah. here, here in, in, in California. Yeah. Uh, sharp as a bowling ball. Is that yeah, how? Exactly. Christian would put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, and, and enough of that. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I just read that sort of Edgar's thing as uh, weird, hyper-rich Howard Hughes mm. affect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. bring in the milk,
0: precisely. Bring in the milk,
1: yeah. And you know, I, until I'm given more, I don't, I don't know quite what more to do with it, right? You know, he has the the sort of the mannerisms and the the affect mm-hmm. and the sort of behavior of someone who was raised in a kind of rarefied environment mm-hmm. and who didn't interact with, you know, normals, by which I mean other human beings, mm-hmm. you know, all that much, right? You know, he, right. he sort of reads as, um, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a you know, a damaged royalty or... Right. Uh, you know, or you know, some of these other folks who, yeah.
0: his, who his only interaction with with most commoners is to give them orders, not to be their friends or to have conversations with them.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so that all reads as a bit personally off.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, Lee's notwithstanding, he still read. You know, he reads as off throughout this. Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean, Lee reads as. Sort of normal and blue collar and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. As Garibaldi, you know they're of the same class.
0: Right. How now how long were they together? It's only been a couple of years because she was married to somebody else. That's right. The last is marrying her even part of the the trap to to bring in Garibaldi. Is this is this part of a, some sort of long game? Wow. Even before yeah, which, which I don't would have know. had to have been even before the before the um, the secession yeah I don't know that seems like too much too much forethought into it yeah but the pieces fall pretty coincidentally
1: yeah I guess the yeah. question
0: is does do, does Edgars need Garibaldi specifically for who he is or would anybody kind of do in the situation he he just de- definitely needs him to bring in Sheridan
1: r- r- right I,
0: I'm gonna to have to go back and take a look and see if it says in anywhere how long they've been married and was it was it before or after, the secession? I mean, although Edgar's is the kind of guy who could probably read the the direction of the wind and know, you know, things are coming up with this station and this guy seems to have it and you know have it together out there. He could be a problem in the long run.
1: Uh, for for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just have to, uh, you know, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. Right? Um, And I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm not not super sure on Mm. kind of where I land on that.
0: I like these long sort of slow burn plans. Long cons are always my favorite kind of story. Someone who's, you know, V for Vendetta. He's planned this out five years ago. Planned out (laughs) every last little detail of what's happening. That's always, you know.
1: That's the good stuff. That's
0: the good stuff right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, you know, look, I mean, fr- frankly, at this stage in the uh, uh, kind of in the development of these sort of serialized television mm-hmm. programs, it's probably it's probably too much to expect that that this be so tightly, neatly, mm-hmm. you know, woven together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um But I suppose we'll see. Yeah. Right? So back to Edgar's for a moment. Sure, sure. Okay? So I'm thinking about him as a kind of sci-fi villainous archetype. Okay. Okay. And, you know, we haven't prepped this, so, uh, you know, this may not land. We never prep anything. You know, that isn't true. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, I'm thinking of him in... Sort of a framework that includes characters like Ben Linus mm-hmm. and you know Jules Pierre Mao from The Expanse. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Romulan Commander Tomalak, uh, you know uh, Andreas Katsulas's <laughs> other other great genre role, yep. right? and thinking you know is 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 he is he sort of in a you know kind of a continuum of a particular kind of villainy or uh you know or 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 not am i just sort of wrong about that i'm wondering what I, you think
0: you mean the 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 highly charismatic um corporatist you know like like the the the, the person at the height of power that's, yeah. that's sort of moving yeah. all of the levers of stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 I can
0: totally see that. Um, and especially here in the mid to late nineties, you know, we're starting to see a lot of particularly in genre stuff, eighties, nineties, you know, right. The rise of like cyberpunk and, right. and a lot of, of anti-corporate kind of stuff. Um, right. What was his, what was, what was, um, Oh, in the Fifth Element, um, Gary Oldman's character in that was that Zorg, uh, Zorg, something. I don't know. Well, anyway, he was he played this like very kind of smooth corporate director, you know, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's. I mean, it's all over the place. You can't, you know, you yeah. can't shake a stick in the nineties. You know the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the Die Hard, the the oh right bad guy in the, in that yeah. Uh.
1: Oh, who was the actor who played that guy? That was that was Alan Rickman, wasn't it? Indeed, it was. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I did, I could see his yeah. face, and I was having. You said Gary Old. Ha, uh, oh, um, it's a Gary Oldman. Uh, Oldman. before, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, and then I had sort of yeah. like a
0: Hans Gruber. I had his
1: Hans Gruber. he was a terrorist. Yeah. He
0: wasn't. He wasn't a corporate, but he was a very corporatey terrorist. So
1: yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean these these guys all sort of yeah they all sort of read
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the the uh, the the too well-tailored suit. Right. You know, the too uh, uh, well-done hair. Right. And all of that, right? Um, Of course, the, the, you know, maybe the singular difference here is that where in television, you don't get a lot of anti-corporatist uh, writing mm-hmm. or at least, I mean, maybe Max Headroom. Yeah. Um, we'll see you you do in films, you know, yeah, right, right. You know, you get, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, bl- you know, Blade Runner, kind of your, right. you know, kind of your classic example in film. Um, th- this reads as well ahead of its time Mm-hmm as a piece of anti-corporatist television, this particular episode, mm-hmm. because of the way that JMS paints, um, you know Edgar's worldview, mm-hmm. and his sort of casual dismissal of what might be called a democratic norm. Well, yeah. you know, you 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 think. You think that Clark's the problem? You're adorable. <laughs> Clark doesn't do anything. He he's a he's a marionette. Mm-hmm. The problem is that someone else has got a hand on one of the strings and is pulling in all this all these Psyops folks under him, so maybe he's gonna get himself free somehow. But at the end of the day, I mean come on. Democracy, yeah. elections, political parties, a senate—none of that runs the world. Mm-hmm. It's all about megacorps, right? Well, I mean, come on—that's—and and, as soon that's as you use the runner, word
0: right. megacorp, you know, as soon as you're, you know, right. you're dropping into Akira talk here, you know, it's, right. it's for sure, it's, yeah, right. Then, yeah. then you're you're framing the discussion because honestly, I don't know that. I don't know that, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Bill Gates or anyone would use the, would, would actually use the phrase mega corporations or mega corpse in, in describing any of the stuff. It's, 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 there, it's one of those words that kind of labels you as, as a villain. Yeah. You know, correct. Once you start correct. talking about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, there's, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this you know, mm-hmm. there's no way to escape that you're, you're claiming the mantle of a. Of a straight, straight dealing villain. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, as we were saying in the pre-show, when I you know watched this the first time in the '90s, Clinton administration, uh, a pretty, uh, a pretty corporation-friendly Democratic party administration lots of decisions made by that administration that are corporate friendly. And, you know, indeed a number of people blame the, you know, the fiscal crisis, you know, 2008 Mm -hmm. squarely on Clinton administration decisions, right. Um, plenty of room in that discourse for, uh, you know and and an anti-corporatist frame but it doesn't really emerge in my mind in the 90s but rather with occupy you know mm-hmm. in 2010 11 yeah
0: i think it was right. it, it was there but very much underground in through the yeah. 80s, 90s through in in like punk culture like i mentioned yeah. cyberpunk um that that kind yeah. of that kind of strain of of society and of genre fiction um, but you don't really see it coming in more into the 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 public into into prominence right into, into mainstream right into the mainstream right. and, until you get a lot of the more recent you know anti-corporate you know movements the you know the G8 G20 whatever size you want to yeah, talk about yeah the protests. anti-globalist
1: right yeah. right
0: Yeah,
1: Right. That's kind of how it starts, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. You know, um, we're going to go to Davos and protest you and, you know, the Seattle crisis in what, 1999 or 2000?
0: Yeah. And these have been going on for, you know, for forever, you know, protesting at the, at any of these, these summits or or conferences or particularly business, like massive trade. Right. Convention. conferences, which, uh, international, I'm making no sense here, um, but you know what I'm talking about. These things, no, these, I understand these, what you're these, doing. these didn't, these didn't just spring out, you know, from, from, from full cloth, uh, out of whole cloth uh, yeah. in the, in the late, you know, 2000s, it was, you know, they'd been going on and, and, but there was a balance that was tipped to bring them into
1: the, yeah.
0: the, the eyesight of the general public.
1: Yeah, that's really the way to to, to put it, right? Yeah. That you get enough movement of enough people to bring in not just your more fringe elements, mm-hmm. as you said, but slightly more mainstream. Right. And And that, or indeed somewhat mainstream, depending on what part of the country you're in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would have been if he were writing this program during those crises, that might have been even more kind of part of the thematic framework, yeah. you know, of this show, right? Because I yeah. don't think he's really, con- it doesn't feel like to me he's consciously doing an anti-corporatist agenda. It's just riding along
0: mm-hmm.
1: with his kind of, anti-totalitarianism, anti-racist. That's his agenda, I think, in yeah. Babylon 5. And yeah. yet there's this strong, at least I'm reading it that way, anti-corporatist, right? The way that Edgar's is mm-hmm. is played, the way he's written, the way that he's pitched, it yeah. does seem prescient, well ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, he definitely, the message I'm getting here is that the, the corporations are no better than the government's. You know, when, yeah, when they are, sure. when they are left unchecked. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, that's, it, it would definitely be more, uh, a stronger message if he were making the show today. I think so. I, he would, he would have it there. You know, he, the, I, I think that message is there strongly in Sense8. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a company. In fact, isn't it just called The Company? Yeah, I don't recall. That's trying to, yeah. that's hunting down all of the, the sensates yeah. uh, or the yeah. corporation or something like that. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's sort of a nameless corporate right. entity um, you know, committing horrible atrocities in the name of advancement. And again, like we said last time, they think they're doing nothing wrong. They're just, you know, nobody really thinks of themselves as uh, we're not the evil corporation.
1: Of you know, course we're, not. We're
0: just, right. we're, we're advancing to protect our interest to protect X, Y, and Z, in the case of, of Edgar's, to protect people from
1: these telepaths. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. Which is a noble goal. Yeah. From his own perspective. Right. Right. Um, yeah, one one doesn't have to look far out of JMS's own oeuvre. Right? I mean, isn't anti-corporatism in Rising Stars?
0: I. It's been a long time or since I read that, but I I, yeah. there's, I remember that there's a there's definitely a, a a
1: shot of that in there, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, to me it just it struck me as interesting mm-hmm. that this read to me as so as such a strong perspective when the soil to plant that seed was not especially fertile. In the, you know, in the late nineties, right. You know, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way the country was, the way the United States was, was run, super corporatist,
0: Mm -hmm. corporate friendly. Right.
1: Uh, you know, this, this episode is from 1997, the Tony Blair blowout landslide in the UK. Oh, new labor is sort of labor that's friendly to corporations. Right. Um. So that's just sort of a, you know, yeah. a, a, a theme emerging mm-hmm. perhaps in JMS's work yeah. that, that I think we see much more of in our own time.
0: Yeah. Uh, but as you say, you know, given, given the, the larger anti-authoritarian messages that, that he has, it's not terribly surprising because he's, you know, he's going he's gonna to try to stick it to the man, whoever the man is, yeah. whether that's a governmental or a corporate man.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the and, JMS and wants agenda. no
0: one, no one controlling
1: me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that sort of Garibaldian, sort of libertarian kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. 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 I that that's all very persuasive to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, okay, to move go. to another point, please. Please. One of the things that I thought is is kind of interesting, an interesting parallel here that's making me. Making me wonder what JMS is setting up is that all right, we've got Edgar's is experimenting. We see him in a, in a room with a number of telepaths. He's doing tests, you know, fatal tests on. Yes. Them, you know, yes. Clearly. Um, Sheridan is apparently doing some kind of similar thing. You know, we see the right. whole episode. We see Franklin uh, trying to. Uh, remove the cybernetic implants that the shadows have put into, uh, put into the telepaths he's got there. You know, with, right. with Lita's help. Uh, right. And you know they're they're at the edge of a breakthrough of figuring out some way to like bring some peace to these people, right. other than a cryo tube. And and Sheridan's like, all right, well, I'm gonna need you to get them ready to do some mysterious thing, which will be revealed in a future episode. Right. You know, how, how much difference is there between the two? And, I, and I'm sure it's not coincidental that JMS has put this in here to, to kind of compare, contrast. How far is Sheridan willing to go? Is, is, he, is he on a slippery slope to becoming a monster, to using the enemy's techniques in order to win his war?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly what JMS wants us to reflect on, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, Franklin is shook by whatever he got asked to do. Yeah. Um, Which means that it can't be anything. I I mean, I I think Franklin has a very established, you know, moral foundation.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's mostly what he is. Yeah right is this sort of strong moral perspective
0: and if you're asking him to do something that's that's going to rattle him that badly right but he doesn't just straight out refuse it right so what's going on there but but right. yeah i, I it, it it makes me wonder you know how are we seeing kind of a descent of sheridan into you know into the ways of the enemy um he right. was very careful to sort of set himself above right. the, the the Earth Force ships in the last episode, but right. here, you know, what's he? What's he doing? Is he? How much is he slipping?
1: Right, per, per, yeah, right. A, as as the Garibaldi, you know, is he mind controlled or isn't mm-hmm. he? Sort of narrative comes close to a resolution. We think, why not take? Sheridan down a certain road that makes us wonder, worry, oh my God, what was, (laughs) was Garibaldi mind controlled or not? Was he also right? Yeah. That's when shows get really aces good, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you really don't, you really don't know where you stand. Right and and making making our beloved characters act in ways that are that are a little hard to you know to feel good about yeah i love that yep yep
0: same yeah. so looking forward to seeing how that how that spins out in the next couple of weeks
1: for sure yeah because it's He, he's still not sure. I don't think whether he got a renewal. We are writing towards yeah. a season four show ending conclusion.
0: Yeah. In fact, I don't think they knew right. that it was coming back until after the season had wrapped completely.
1: Yeah. Which you know, is which fairness, is why they lost some yeah. of
0: the, some of the actors because they had to they had to make a decision whether right. to stick around on a possible or to go for something else.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Very intriguing. Yeah. Um. Uh, and one of, the, one of the great things uh, about the media environment where Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Video and, and these other uh, digitally distributed networks exist is shows that deserve a proper ending often get one
0: mm-hmm.
1: or they get extended so that they can have one. Right. Shows get canceled that shouldn't be canceled, too. I'm looking at you, Netflix, Re, Sensate, and Travelers, both of which were appalling decisions. From a from the person who loves stories, mm-hmm. Sensate, heartbreaking. Travelers, heartbreaking. Uh, but thank you for reviving mm-hmm. Lucifer and The Expanse and mm-hmm. and a bunch of other shows that... that we're going to be that that video uh, kind of online these liter these literary programs mm. these these literate programs these sophisticated programs really need to be given voice and I'm glad they're being given it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. So, we there? I think we're there. Yeah. Uh, you know, folks. Uh, some programming notes. Uh, Our next episode will be a one episode, one episode standalone, like we generally do. But as we're coming to the end of a thing, like we said with the Mimbari uh, Civil War episode, uh, you know, a few episodes back, after Face of the Enemy, the next two episodes we're going to record as a single telemovie. We just think that the conversation will make more sense if both episodes are woven into each other, uh, that'll leave us with three to go. Each one will be independent of each other. Then, uh, you know, back on hiatus uh, and then onward to season five a little bit later in the year. So just, uh, you know, as you know, things are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little unusual given the way that we've recorded the rest of the program. But narratively,
0: sometimes these things just are meant to go together.
1: It just feels like Nothing. From a from a conversation between you and me, perspective mm-hmm. is served by kind of artificially maintaining the distance as though they were two separate things. No, it really is one. You know, it's like uh, you know. I, I know that you watched. Uh, you're in season six of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. where they just retook. Uh, you know, the, the the station was taken and had to be yep. retaken, and that was yep. I think eight episodes. You know, well, you could you yeah. could make the case that that's. That's one show Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on a DS9 podcast or two, right? Because that that whole arc, all the issues that start in episode one are still issues in episode eight and really should be told or interpreted. As one thing, so we're right. putting these these B five episodes together, as sort of interpretive units. Right. I guess I would put it. Yeah.
0: And how many things have I, have I said during this episode? Oh, we'll have to see where this goes. You know, with the with what's going yeah. on with Garibaldi and what's going on with. Heria. Yeah. If I'd if I'd had a chance to watch the next episode or two, maybe we could have talked about them as a package, and you know, and and that would have all made more sense. So maybe yeah, I, yeah. because this isn't the kind of show. I mean, it, well, it it has in previous seasons, but. Here, as things are speeding towards a, a, a wrap, you know they're not going to have a to be continued because everything is to be continued. There's not going to be a two-parter That's right. because it's actually a twelve parter. You
1: know, That's right. That's li- right. Yeah.
0: Little chapters together in it. So, so yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna bundle up some stuff, um, and uh, and as John said, uh, then wrap season four and take a little bit of a break and come back you know, as the fall starts up as we usually do to to take a look at season five.
1: Yeah. Hard to believe.
0: I know. We're almost right. there. Yeah. It's uh, it's coming up fast.
1: Indeed. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. You know where to find us. Give us your thoughts and comments. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, folks. Okay, bye.